Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestle Life Radio. This is Matt Sin, also known as Wrestle Life Matt, and you're listening to Indie Focus. Indie Focus is the show where we at Wrestle Life Radio sit down with someone who is working or has worked in independent wrestling, and we learn more about them. Hashtag support indie wrestling. And today I'm here with ring announcer, commentator, trivia host, former college professor, podcaster, master of ceremonies for the Jacksonville Sharks, and most importantly, devoted husband and loving father, the young professor, Mr. Matt Grafer. How you doing, Matt? Matt, I'm doing fantastic. What, what I thought I was the guy that did intros around here. That was that was pretty good. Well, I appreciate that, man, and I definitely didn't look any of that up. I just knew it all. You're lying. You clearly did a lot of homework to put all that together. You are lying to me. This is not a good way to start by lying to me. <laughs> no, no, I suppose it isn't. But let's, uh, we, we have a lot to cover here because you have done, my gosh, I know I talked a little bit about it in the intro, but I feel like you've done a little bit of everything and I really want to talk to you about it. So let's go ahead and get started. Let's do it. So obviously your ring name is The Young Professor, and I think a lot of people don't know that you actually were a professor at one time. So how did that all get started? So I started my illustrious teaching career in... (laughs) It was a February of 2012, uh, the end of February 2012, and I stopped doing that in late May. It was late May or early June of last year, 2019. Uh, so it was about about seven and a half years. Yeah, that's actually a pretty decent amount of time. I didn't know you taught for so long. Yeah, I, I'd say. I mean, when I kind of talk about it casually, just because you want to frame things a certain way, seven and a half doesn't sound nice. I, I say uh, the better part of 10 years. And, you know, I'm rounding it five and above. Give it a shove. Right. That's that's what we're rolling with. <laughs> I think that is the rule of thumb. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what you taught and what you did at the school. So I was in the sports medicine and fitness technology department, which is a lot of words, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of words. And you say that to people and they just look at you funny and then they go, well, I got this injury. And you're like, no, no, like that's (laughs) that's not what I'm doing. Uh, It was actually what a lot of people don't realize is universities just pick their names for degrees. And sometimes there are a lot of different names. And sports medicine, when most people think of that, they think athletic training immediately because when you watch things like football on television, they talk about sports medicine. And that is usually what they're referring to. But sports medicine is a much broader umbrella, and it really uh, entails just about everything under like a kinesiology and the different sciences associated with health, exercise, wellness, and so I did pretty much everything under the sun under that umbrella. I have taught, gosh, just within that course alone, probably about 23 different courses. Wow. Which is a wild, insane number, especially. It's it's not normal at all. And I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. It was That was the challenge before me. It was, the, it was what I wanted to do. It was what I needed to do. Uh, I was given an opportunity to do it, and I was not going to give it up because it gave me a great opportunity to – provide for my family and start a career uh, in the way that I wanted to. But it was uh, it was challenging. I, I've taught everything from sports marketing, sports psychology, exercise psychology, uh, and, and those are areas that I was a bit more comfortable in just based on my own experience in college and, and, and in life prior to that because my first degree was in psychology, but my second degree was in uh, kinesiology with a focus on um, sport and exercise behavior, so basically sports psychology. 
But I've taught biomechanics. Oh, wow. I've taught, yeah, I've taught kinesiology. I've taught personal training certification courses. I've taught group exercise certification courses. I've taught sports law. Uh, gosh, I can't even think of all of them now because it's it, there's just so many. And there was a long time where I didn't know if I'd make it because it, it, they were not all areas of my expertise. Right. But I worked for a uh, career-oriented university. We had a very small faculty. Like there was only one or two. There was like two of us in the entire program for associates and bachelor's level courses. Dude, that's insane. And we, we taught in a modular system. So we taught one course at a time for one month at a time. So it was very intensive. So for five hours a day, for every day of the week, we would be intensively just tackling all the topics under the umbrella of that particular course. And then the next month, we were on to the next thing. And with that many courses and only two people doing it, you know, you, you go through a calendar year and you've taught 12 different courses. And you, wow. you think of most major universities – you know, they'll teach, uh, a professor will teach maybe three or four courses a semester, which is what I did, but they'll do those same three or four courses a semester the next semester and the next. This was not like that. It was literally something different all the time. And there was a time where I was convinced I thought my head was going to explode because right? I just couldn't fit any more knowledge in. I really had to teach myself a lot of things ahead of my students just to be able to relay those lessons. And so the early years were tough. Uh, but I, I, I made it through, and after a while, I got to repeat some of those courses a couple times and eventually got um, more and more functional and, and wound up doing it for about seven and a half years. So my wife taught a number of years, and she always told me how she had to do different lesson plans for different grades because she taught elementary school. I couldn't imagine having to do that number of college courses. That's just absolutely crazy. So, yeah, they, they, I mean, you think about 24 courses, that's 24 different syllabi, uh, 24 different course projects, 24 different textbooks. And even then, over the course of seven and a half years, sometimes the syllabus for a course would change. And so would the textbooks. So even though I'm teaching the same course again, it's essentially reinvented. So I'm, I'm doing it all. I mean, if I were to really, if you counted them as, as those as different courses, it's closer to 30 over the span of, of just a few years. And, and I started that, that week that I started teaching, I was still 25 years old. Wow. That's crazy, man. It was wild. And, and, you know, I'm sure you'll get to the point. So why do they call you the young professor? Well, when I was coming up with some kind of gimmick name, when I started doing trivia, I, I came up with the young professor because that's what I was. I was a 25 year old college professor. I looked younger or was younger than most of my students and so I was like, yeah, that's that's catchy. That sounds like that makes sense. And the brand has worked for me, so I've just kind of kept it, even though I'm no longer young and no longer a professor. So I don't actually think you're quite <laughs> an old man yet, bro. So you taught for the better part of 10 years, as you say, and I know that teaching is very rewarding, but it's also very difficult. What made you decide to change course and try something new? Well, the nature of what I was doing was uh, really burning me out. Yeah, and, that's fair. Uh, I was doing it for a long time, and I was. Uh, you're up in Jacksonville, Florida. I am about 60 miles south of you. And when I started going up that way years ago, it was about a one-hour trip. And depending on the time of day, it was a one-hour trip. But in more recent years... With the way traffic is, and you live right or live right over there, where the traffic would kick in for me every single day. Yep, I was. It was taking me about minutes each way to get home, to get to to work, and get home from work. 
and you know working full eight-hour days, you know teaching a, a bunch of different things, uh, and, and looking for opportunities to move up. Those opportunities weren't there, and so it was definitely wearing on me. Plus all the things I do, you know, hosting trivia a couple nights a week, and and all the things I've been doing in sports and, and entertainment and professional wrestling the last couple of years, I was just burning out, and I wasn't having fun with it anymore. I, I I enjoy teaching. I will probably find my way back to it in some capacity at some point, maybe sooner rather than later, but I, I just couldn't keep it up anymore. So I made some changes and made a few different career changes about a year and change ago. Uh, they were going well, and then COVID-19 hit a few months ago, which has really, really waylaid me. I have no idea what I want to be when I grow up now, but we're doing the best we can. Dude, I'm telling you, man, it, it's been a big bummer, and I'm sorry that it hit you at such a bad time. I think you even mentioned to me before we started recording that you lost 81 bookings because of the coronavirus. Uh, that, as of that day, yes. Now it's 82. I got another call oh yesterday. Something in October was shelved. So. Oh, man. <laughs> that is such a bummer, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's not great. So let's switch gears and let's uh, let's do some, talk about something a little more positive. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, you have your hand in a little bit of everything. Um, and I think I forgot to actually mention that you were also a DJ. Yeah, well, that's true. So it says in your Twitter that you are a music aficionado. So tell me a little bit about what you enjoy. What kind of music do you like? Gosh, well, I'm turning into more of an old man now. I listen to more talk radio and podcasts, which is, Same dude. You know, I guess, why I don't mind doing them. Yep. But I, I was always a rock guy. Um, I was always very, like, I really, actually, in high school, I was really into classic rock, like, extremely into it. I really got heavily into the Beatles. Uh, but I've always been a rock guy. And um, I like country a lot, although I'm not a big fan of a lot of new country because to me it's mostly pop music with cowboy hats and it doesn't sound like what country used to be but i i've got a very eclectic taste and so that that's why the the music aficionado thing was was included i I don't know that i would go that that far now but back in my college days you know i would you know dj some house parties back then uh and i would you know had access to everything you could listen to in the entire world, just being living on a campus and being linked into the every other student on the network and everybody sharing music. I had somewhere around 15,000 songs or something Holy at one smokes. point, and I, I listened to everything under the sun. So it, it just, it's whatever I'm in the mood for, and it's still like that. Like I have, I have a turntable in my house, and I've got several hundred records, and, and that's only something I've started doing in the last like eight years so, I, I mean, I'm just a music guy. I, I like it, and, you know, whatever mood I'm in dictates the, the type of music I'm going to be listening to. So since you have a, a pretty decent passion, I'd say, for music, do you play any instruments? I was in band from fourth grade up until ninth grade. I was a saxophone player, and that is something that probably most people who have met me in the last, like, 15 years of my life have no idea about. But I, I played saxophone. Uh, I can read music, I can understand music, but I do not actively play now. I, I, I taught myself a little harmonica a few years back. Uh, I can tinker around, play by ear on a piano, uh, but I, I am not a singer. I do not sing. This voice is good for speaking, and <laughs> we limit it to what we're good at. Dude, I'm there with you. My whole family can sing, and I cannot. <laughs> so... Something that I think is really cool, because I live in Jacksonville, is that you're the master of ceremonies for the Jacksonville Sharks. Tell me how you got started in that, because that's that's really cool. So it really came about because I sent somebody an email. 
It's that simple. And what's funny is, you know, at, when we start talking more about wrestling, the two things are extremely tied to one another. And I, I literally had announced one show, one wrestling show. And at that point, I had, I had uh, one of my friends was there and took some video for me. So I had a little bit of footage with me and kept it and put it up so that, you know, people could see it. And I sent an email to the Jacksonville Sharks because they, I, I mean, I tried to follow everything, especially I was living in Jacksonville and working for a, um, a fitness and sports and exercise department. So there, there's obviously relevant ties to what I was doing academically with my students. But I saw them put out a call for interns for a number of different things. Okay. And obviously, being a professor already, I had zero aspirations to be an intern of anything, but I, I saw that they were looking for a series of different positions. So I just sent somebody an email based on that post that they did on social media. And I said, look, I don't know if you guys have someone maybe to be an announcer for your PA or whatever the case may be, but he, I'm a professor here. I'm a trivia host. I, I work on microphones all the time. I'm interested, you know, let me know. And they said, yeah, we'd like to talk with you. And they did. And they brought me in the office. Dude, seriously? I literally, again, one show. One show under my belt, ever. Um, and went in, and they had me do a, a read on part of their script. And they were like, yeah, you sound pretty good. The season starts in a couple months. We're going to have, you know, we need somebody to be an MC and, and do all this. You know, if you're interested, it doesn't pay, but we're going to, we can. And I was like, this is a great opportunity. Absolutely it is. So that, that's it. That's And that was, we were off to the races. And then you show up and you impress. You don't suck. And they ask right. you back. And, and <laughs> Um, it certainly looks good too, because you get to perform in front of, uh, I think the largest crowd I've performed in front of there was 10,000. That's huge. So yeah, 10,000 people, uh, last year, 20, 2019 on one of the, on the playoff games we had, you know, you're in there essentially with 10,000 of your friends and it, it was just a wild, really cool, amazing experience. I'm assuming the answer is yes, but did you enjoy it? Yeah, I mean, I, I've loved it, and and it was such a bummer to have the season canceled this year because I was I was real. I and mean, we we won um, the National Arena League's national championship last year, so oh, we that's had the defending right. champions coming back. There was a lot of hype going into the season. Yeah, so yet you know here we are. That's a bummer, man. But next year, you guys will be back, and you'll be able to defend your championship. Well, thanks for sharing all that stuff. But this is a wrestling podcast. That it is. So let's get into some wrestling talk. Did you actually, because I actually don't know this, did you watch a lot of wrestling growing up? No. Um, really? I, I didn't start until I was about 10 years old, like just about to turn 11. Oh, okay. Honestly, that was when I started. I mean, and from since then, yes. But prior to that, no. And, and I feel like um, it's kind of a later age to get into things. But I, I didn't have cable growing up. And so we didn't have Monday Night Raw, uh, or, or and I really didn't even know about it because it wasn't something that any of my family or friends at that time were into. Uh, plus, you know, you you look at kind of around when this was. I started watching in '97, very actively, which is when the Attitude Era, essentially, and, and the Monday Night Wars were really hot and heavy, and wrestling was becoming the it thing in popular culture, and like, not just in the wrestling world, but it it really had. Um, a lot of eyes on it, just nationwide, globally, whatever you want to, however you want to look at it. But prior to that, you know, the business was weak. You know, they weren't doing so hot, and I'd never, I mean, I knew Hulk Hogan. Everyone did. I can remember an early memory 
somewhere in my house, maybe like a Saturday morning, turning on some kind of program. And I remember the big boss man being on there and Hulk Hogan. And I had, you know, I remember the Slim Jim commercials. But I did not watch it growing up. But a, a friend of mine, he was my best friend growing up, he got into it and he'd start. And he, we, we would play outside all the time, you know, getting into trouble, whatever we were doing. Like you and do. He would tell me all about uh, the storyline that was going on at the time with The Undertaker and Mankind. And then the Undertaker's face got burned, and he was wearing this mask. And I, I mean, it sounded insane to me. It, it didn't. It sounded different than what it was when I actually saw it. Right. But I, I was really enamored with the idea and with the, the stories he was telling me, you know, secondhand and, and from a kid's perspective. And once I started watching it with him at his house, and then I think one of the conditions of us getting cable TV when I was in fifth grade was I had to make some degree of honor roll so many times, and then we'd get it. So that happened, and I've been watching ever since. Well, that's great, man. Well, don't feel bad. I didn't start watching wrestling until I was about 10 years old either, so it was, it, we were about the same. So if you've been watching since you were around 10, though, since 97, I believe you said, that's a long time. I want you to go back and tell me who some of your favorites over this time have been. Undertaker was number one, Uh Obviously, I mean, just I, it might even be just be from those stories that that my my buddy told me, but he was someone that I really really gravitated towards very early on. Uh, I remember, even though Bret Hart was a heel at the time, I liked Bret Hart. Oh yeah, uh, of course. I thought he was really good. I I hated Degeneration X when they first started because oh, really? they were such. You got to remember they were heels. Like you, everybody looks back on it fondly now. But they were such pests, and and they were they were jerks, and yeah, <laughs> they were you know. And as a kid, when you're really kind of stuck on that, you know, black and white, right and wrong, which is where I still was when I started watching. I God, I couldn't stand Shawn Michaels, and he was such a coward, and and he was the champion, and he would win all the time because China or Triple H would interfere, and it drove me up the wall. So I, I liked. I remember. I always liked a lot of the good guys. And then really on the other side, I watched WCW as well. I would flip back and forth. Like, that was literally the thing. Right. You know, I know right now you've got AEW Dynamite going up against NXT. I don't know if people still flip channels the way. I, I remember just hitting the return button on the remote. So you could literally just press that one button that pops you back and forth between TNT and USA. And I liked a lot of the guys. I liked the cruiserweights. I loved... Um, Ultimo Dragon, I liked Dean Malenko. One of my all-time favorites. I liked uh, Juventud Guerrero, Psychosis, and I. but I was a huge Diamond Dallas Page fan. Oh, yeah. DDP was, was my favorite on the WCW side. Dude, I got you. DDP was actually my second favorite wrestler. I absolutely loved him, uh, and watching him grow from a, a manager into an in-ring performer was, was really cool, and I didn't really get to experience a lot of that. To be honest, I, I watched DDP. Um, I think some of my earlier memories of him was when he was feeding with Raven, which was great. Uh, my personal favorite was always Sting, though. And honestly, he's still one of my favorites. Yeah, but Sting was quiet then. When I started watching, Sting didn't say much. And so I, I you got to realize I missed the entire run of the bleach blonde, short hair, surfer Sting. I missed all of that. I, I, I mean, I still have not seen a lot of it. Only now in doing homework and, and going through the history of those things do I catch glimpses of it. And I'm like, wow, this was pretty cool. But I missed all of that. So I had no idea who he was, and he was so quiet at the time. I liked I liked his gimmick. I liked the, the gear and the face paint. And that was even before I saw The Crow, which is my all-time favorite movie. But I hadn't even seen that movie yet. 
So I, I was not even aware of the association at the time. So Sting was cool, and I liked when he'd stick it to Hogan and, and the NWO, but he he, uh, he was not the guy that kind of stood out for me, at least initially. So the Bleach Blonde Sting was actually my favorite Sting, um, and I love the Crow stuff, love the Wolfpack stuff, but honestly, like, looking back on some of that stuff, like, I love the, the fake Sting. Like, it was a really big deal, right, when, you know, the NWO Sting came in and, uh, they didn't trust Sting. As an adult watching it back, though, it makes me wonder if 10-year-old Matt enjoyed it because of who he was. And now I have this, like, cynical <laughs> view of it. Because if, if I went back and if WWE did something like that right now, I think I would rag on it and say how terrible it was. Uh, we're just still those 10-year-old Matts who hung around and still like it because we do. But I don't, I, I don't know that it affects us quite the same way as it did when you have that fresh set of eyes on it and it's cool and new and exciting. I, I don't know. I, I really couldn't answer that. It makes me wonder if all the dirt sheets and everything, if it really affects the way we watch it and enjoy it. Um, and if we just know too much about it now that we're adults who watch wrestling. Like as an example, uh, I actually rewatched War Games in the Fall Brawl earlier uh, just a couple weeks ago. And it was Sting and Hogan and Savage and Luger against like the Zodiac and these Kevin Sullivan, Kevin Sullivan guys, right? And, like, they, the match wasn't good. It just wasn't. But as a kid, I absolutely loved it. And the fans were eating it up. So I I don't know. Like, I, I think it, it seriously has something to do with us being too old now, I suppose. Yeah, but you know what? I, I, don't, I don't hate knowing so much about it because even from the time I was maybe – 13 or 14 uh, I was I mean I've been actively reading on the dirt sheets since then oh, wow. so f- for over 20 years I've been actively just monitoring dirt sheets and I didn't even know that's what they were called then like I, I remember back in the day I used to go on what was it like the the turnbuckle.com I think it was and then that was where I got all my my news and spoilers and rumors and and, and so I, I knew more about it but I, I don't care it's it's kind of like something you and I were talking about a little bit earlier before we got on the microphones here. Whatever I'm into, and this has been true my entire life since I was a little, little kid, once I get into something, I am all in to what it is. I want to be surrounded by it in every capacity there is. And so to me, that was just another layer and and love that I had for it. So I wanted to know more, and it didn't ruin it for me. Uh, and, and you know what? It's still doesn't i mean now it's funny like i actually i'm watching things and, and it's people i know right so to, in some cases or, or i've met or in passing have worked with and um you know i know i'm a little bit more informed about the process than i ever was yeah but i still i still wait and and really long for those things that really get me excited and and they are still out there they do still happen they're just a little bit less than they used to be and and i don't think that's because i'm older i think just it's a reflection of kind of what the product is, and maybe even right now, just the circumstances of the world. You talked about the fans at the Fall Brawl. You understand now how important the audience really is to the interpretation of what you're seeing. Oh, absolutely. I really miss the fans. And I think that's something you can see right now when you watch WWE's product versus AEW's product. Uh, and I think the biggest thing that I can say is the difference between the two and I'm a fan of both. I love both. I'd love to work for either of them. But I think right now, AEW is doing a much better job with how they come across to fans watching at home because 
the way that they've chosen to have their audience being the wrestlers that are there, but they're also still very tongue in cheek oh, and involved great. in the show. It's fun. It's just fun to watch. It's fun to see what they do. Whereas the WWE, I'm not even just talking about the fact that they have those clear plastic barricades. It's just very sterile. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of um, genuineness. They're like they're just NXT guys that are told to cheer or boo, and the you know the characters on the outside of in the AEW ring are just as much a part of it, and they react the way fans are supposed to react, like not artificially. But just the way you'd expect, you know, fans that would buy front row seats would react at a show. And, and I think that's what makes it fun. And, and that's why I've honestly been enjoying their product a, a bit more as of late. So I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I haven't told you. So my wife gave the example of the NXT guys surrounding the WWE ring. They're basically like WWE 2K fans. They just like randomly, you know raise their arms and kind of bounce a couple times or, you know, cheer even though nothing is happening. They just look so fake. And I I really got a kick out of that example. And I thought you might too. Yeah, I think that's actually a really funny way to, to talk about WWE's audience. Right? <laughs> and it, it's pretty spot on. That's it's, it's different than how I phrased it, but it's the same thing. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, for real. So let's, let's switch gears a little bit. And let's go back to talking about you, because we want to learn more about you. So, what actually made you want to become an announcer? Is uh, is it something you've always wanted to do? Well, for me, it was um, just being aware of, of what my talents are. And, you know, just from teaching, and, and then, you know, just through a, a, a number of circumstances that led me to start hosting trivia shows, the thing that I've heard, and I've really heard this... Since I was in high school, you know, sometimes, you know, like people say, oh, you look like so-and-so or you sound like this. And it's just kind of a passing thing that a lot of people tell you. You're like, oh, yeah, I get that all the time. Well, something that I would get all the time is just when people would listen to me speak, they would say, man, you've you've got this great voice. Have you ever like do you do sports or have you ever done sports? And I've had people ask me that countless times, like countless times. Over the course of my life, and, and for a long time, I never thought anything of it. And then when I started doing more and more, especially while I was, you know, actively working in entertainment as a trivia host, because that's what that is. Like, that's how I look at it. I'm like, I don't just host trivia and I ask a few questions. Like, to me, it's entertainment, and, and I'm here to engage an audience for two hours of their time and make them enjoy themselves and then in enjoying themselves spend more money at this establishment it wasn't until I started doing that and people started saying it more and more because I had more of an audience that I finally sat back and said, okay, why am I not doing that? And how how the hell does one do that? How does that even become a thing? Yeah. And it's an interesting question because there is no roadmap. There is no, hey, you know, you can if you type it into a search bar, you'll probably start getting advertisements for some so-and-so school of broadcasting. And, and even that... As a college professor, I can tell you, like school is something that you have to do because society demands it. But just because you go somewhere or you get some degree does not guarantee that you are employable, that you will get work in that field. What does is drive and experience. And a lot of getting experience is just asking the right questions to the right people. And so I remember it was probably within six months before I started. And I started in January 
of 2018 is when I started announcing. Probably somewhere six months before that, my wife and I were sitting down and, and we we had a lot going on. And we had a lot of things on our mind and we kind of actively made a decision to sit down and write some things down, thing, goals that we had. Uh, goals of uh, not just, you know, some relationship goals, some personal goals, some household goals, you know, things that we wanted to fix, things that we wanted to eventually save up money to finance or change. And one of the things that I wrote down, and it's funny because I forgot that I did this, is I wrote down be a sports announcer or commentator in wrestling or in other sports. No way. I wrote this down. Wow. Like on a piece of paper. And it, and if you ever, well, and if you've ever listened to, I mean, I know a lot of people get, get on stuff like um, self-help books or motivational stuff. I think there is something to it, but there was a, uh, a thing called The Secret, which some people really aren't on board with, but I've, I enjoy it and I, I think there is value to it is, you know, is actively writing things down and, and, you know, focusing on it, putting putting all of your focus and energy into these things and then watching how the universe in turn, just through your own drive and, and your own wavelengths, will eventually start attracting more of those things to you. And while not everyone might believe that, I think there is something to it because you start seeking opportunities and you start looking and finding them where maybe you weren't paying attention to them before because you are tuning yourself to that. And that must have been what was going on because I wrote it down. I forgot about it, but I had just paid attention, you know, looked for things, uh, kind of like I did with the sharks that we talked about a little earlier. Yeah. And I, the closest place where I knew active independent wrestling was happening around me was in Daytona Beach, which is 30 miles south of me. And Go Wrestle has been there for several years now. We're coming up on Go Show 160, but they, I know, it's its a testament to just the work that they've done, and it's a smaller promotion, and I, I don't know that a lot of people know about it, but I can tell you a lot of good people have come from there, and it's a great place to really learn a lot of things that will help you go far wherever. But I was just watching and paying attention, and I, at one point I'd even considered maybe looking to go and train and, and be a wrestler, but you know, time-wise, that didn't seem like that was something that I could do. Okay. And eventually I saw uh, the promoter put something out on Facebook that they were looking for a ring announcer. And so it's someone paying attention. I'm a big fan of if you see opportunity, you need to seize opportunity. You jump on it. I messaged him, told him some things that I did, and he asked to send uh, some kind of tryout video. So, I, you know, I quickly slapped together what I called a wardrobe at the time for the job and you know did my my best announcing voice which is you know my my regular voice anyway it's not something that i try to put on and 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 really emulate and he liked it and said all right just you know come to a show coming up and and we'll try out right and that was all the instruction that i got they had a show coming up this that weekend i said well i'll be there this saturday he said okay you know didn't tell me when to show up nope what to expect nothing and i and i showed up i brought my I brought my sport coat and had you know a, a polo shirt tucked into some dress pants and uh, you know walked in essentially 15 minutes before the show was I think it was like a 7:30 show I got there 7:15 and he was like okay cool well, yeah we'll, we'll try out well here's here's the card and um, you know just go talk to the guys and 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 you know get get their stuff dude I had that exact same experience <laughs> I let the silence fill in like okay 
all right. Like this is nothing against them. They're amazing. It's just I had no idea what to do, and you seem to have had the same experience. And me, and look, I mean, I was asked to teach. I, I, we talked to my we talked my college thing. I was asked as a twenty five year old kid, essentially, hey, you're going to be responsible for teaching all these courses, these subjects to all of these adult learners who are spending thousands of dollars, thousands and thousands of dollars. They're expecting some kind of quality education. And we're just going to throw you into this room and you got to figure it out. And I was like, hey, no problem. I'll figure this out. <laughs> That's just insane. And on the inside, you're going, oh, my God, what what have I done? What is, like, there's no one to help you. <laughs> and I've found in life there is no one to help you anywhere. You really, if you want to sink or swim, you got to do it yourself. And so I, I just went and did it. And I, I started, at, you know, guys are talking, they're working out, you know, they're they're going over their matches. And I'm like, excuse me, excuse me. And they don't know who I am. I don't know who they are. I don't know who's this, who who's KTB, who's Ace, who's Biff, who's, I don't know who any of these people are. I'm not familiar with all their names. I knew who the guys on WWE were, but I don't know these guys. Right. I somehow got enough information. I knew what I needed just because I've watched it enough. And I, I've, you know, I'm like, okay, Justin Roberts would say this. Lillian Garcia would say this. So I need their height, their weight, any nicknames and stuff. I figured it out. And I went out and I impressed. I know it because, you know, it was a tryout. And then I was pulled aside and I was, I was handed some money uh, and said, you really surprised us. Like, you know, most people don't walk in and, and know what to do. You did. Can you keep coming back? And I went, yeah, I'd love to keep coming back. And that's how it all started. And, you know, that got me that job with the Sharks, too, because I, I looked good in those videos, even though I knew nothing of what I was doing. It's all about how you frame it. it that's really what it comes down to. Dude, let me tell you. When I got there, thank the good Lord for Donnie Harris, uh, who actually trained at Dory Funk Junior School. He basically told me what I needed to do. And he had all these note cards ready, and he was super prepared. And, like, I had absolutely no idea what was going on. And uh, I knew Verde there as well, so I, I lucked out and got some people's names. Uh, but, yeah, it was <laughs> my first time was very similar to yours. It was really crazy. So let's uh, let's talk about You mentioned you, you briefly wanted to become a professional wrestler. Is that like a dream you had as a kid or anything? I don't know if it was a dream, but I was a backyard wrestler. Like we oh, cool. I, up in, I grew up in New Jersey. I grew up in uh, a, a town called Rahway, New Jersey, about twenty minutes outside of New York City, and um, it's actually like a town over from where Jay Lethal's from. Jay Lethal's from Elizabeth. I was born in Elizabeth, so, and there's a lot of wrestling that goes on in Rahway. In fact, uh, Wrestle Pro runs up there, and they've got a great show, and they've always got a lot of like AEW guys and stuff. They they run in my hometown now. But um, we had a backyard federation. One of my friends, his older brother, started a backyard wrestling federation called Raw, the Rawway Association of Wrestling. And so we all, and because they, the whole family was involved, and he was, gosh, I was in eighth grade, so they were juniors. So the, most of the roster were juniors in high school, and there were a few of us that were more of the, on the brave side that were eighth graders going to go on and be freshmen in high school. And we were we were kind of like the cruiserweights, you know. That was our role. Like the, they were heavyweights, we were cruiserweights, and so we did. And uh, let me tell you something, you know, it's backyard. I'm not gonna sit here and say that it was legit and that it holds up against anything because it's that's an insult to anyone that does it. However, uh, for what it was and for when it was, we treated it very seriously. We treated it like it was a real thing. 
you know, we had entrances, we had announcers, and we had people that played music, and it was really not altogether that much different than what I, in some capacities, um, other than that we were on a trampoline. You know, we we knew who was going over, uh, we talked about finishes, we worked things out, and like we didn't even know any of what these terms were. We just did it. We just knew we wanted to be like the guys on TV. Uh, I was very much into the offspring back then. Awesome. And so, Me too. Uh, Americana, Americana had come out like a year before. I was, I, a pretty fly for a white guy was very synonymous with with me and what I liked and so my gimmick was the fly guy that was what I did and that's what I was so that must have been both parts incredible and hilarious it was of course it was <laughs> I had a whole entrance I had a whole dance that I do when I came out um, entrance gear that would come off before you know we squared up and uh, yeah oh, there was a gimmick change at some point where, where you know I got beat and then, and then we all turned into these dark gimmicks and so they were a little bit closer to like undertaker type stuff and and some of us would work like we'd work under a mask and we'd we'd be jobbers like if we didn't have so we do tune up matches with some of the other guys so I wore a scream mask in this like demon outfit and I think my name was Apocalypse and I was a, that was my jobber character and um, so I, I guess in some ways I was always trying to live out some of what that was and it was so cool at the time and I guess that has always stuck with me so it was um, something I entertained even as an adult okay. Do you have any photos or perhaps videos of this? Because I need to see it. Oh, there are photos. There's a couple photos, and friends of mine, actually, the the guy who ran it, who was essentially what we would now call the promoter, he lives in Florida. He lives in Orlando, and I have long asked if we could get the videos. He has them on those old little mini cassette tapes. He'd have to get them converted. I've, I've been bothering him for years. It's been 20 years since we did that. Yeah. And... um. He just has never gotten around to it, but I'm I'm kind of you know what I'm okay with them staying where they are. Uh, a few photos are funny. Uh, l- let that stay <laughs> where it is for now. <laughs> if you ever get those videos or photos, we're gonna post them. Oh, maybe if you like, we can we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk about how you came up with the young professor gimmick, and uh, I know you've been doing it for a while. Has your character changed over the years, or did uh, is he pretty much the same guy he always has been? So it's pretty much the same guy, and it's not really much of a character at all. Um, and it was never really meant to be a character. Uh, I think it has turned into one in some ways, just because it's when I when I think of what the young professor is to people is someone that's very polished and very appropriate and very clean. And, and, and you know, there's n- no degree of impropriety. And even if there is, it's kind of shocking and, and ultimately funnier because it's not what you would expect coming from this person. Right. Uh, but it, it was just, really, it was more to be a gimmick name to get more people to follow me what I was doing. And, and I came up with it for trivia. That was where I started it. Because, you know, having such a common name like Matt... It doesn't really do much for people. It's Tell not me memorable it. at all. Uh, you and I share that first name. It is, you know, p- people call you, I'm sure people have called you Mike or Mark a million times in your life. Oh, all the time. Which means, like, we see M, and we're just going to go with that, and we're going to make it up. All the time. And so, uh, you know, I was having some success as a trivia host, but I was just Matt. I was just some dude. And I was like, this is, I want to I want to start a page where I can promote my shows and specifically my appearances and all that. That's a cool idea. And I was like, I need something that will stand out 
that sounds like it goes with trivia. What the heck would that be? And I was like, you know what? I was a professor. Um, we'll go with the young professor. And when I switched to wrestling, I was like, well, I already have this following. I already have this page. I don't want to change it. I think it makes sense and it'll work. Like you had Bobby the Brain. You had names that make sense like that. So you know what? Let's just keep it. So it, it was never meant to be a character in and of itself. It was more just a name that, that would stand out and resonate with people. Because if, if you want to, you know, when it comes to marketing, things that stand out and, and strike top of mind awareness with people are going to be the first things they go to. And I wanted to have something that did that. And, and I feel like it, it does. Yeah, I agree. So I know you have lots of memories, I'm sure, of ring announcing for professional wrestling or anything, really. Uh, Tell me a story or maybe a fond memory, like something really cool that uh, you have. Do you have any like special memories of when you were announcing someone in the ring or something? I've had a lot of really cool experiences, uh, and I've gotten to, gosh, I've done, I've done over 100 shows. I know that for, for a fact. In fact, I'm coming up probably, even though I, I haven't done every show since I started with Go Wrestle, I started at like Go Show number 48. We're coming up on 160, so I'm coming up on about 100 shows just for that promotion. Oh, wow. So I've gotten a chance to, to work with and announce a lot of people, but I, I could tell you I like announcing people that, that make me work a little bit, that give me lots of fun stuff to say, because that's where I get to kind of show off a little bit. And that's listen, that's not the goal. You know, the, the announcer's job is not to shine, because if, if that person or a referee or, or some peripheral role shines too bright and takes away from the people in the ring, you are not doing this job correctly. 100%. But there, but there are places and times where, where you want to see a bit more from those positions. So getting to work with people with, like, really crazy entrances and things. Like, I remember uh, at River City Wrestling Con in Jacksonville last year uh, getting to do... I did a tag team match where I announced, and I got to, and it was between the Gymnasty Boys and the Ugly Ducklings. Oh, I remember that match. It was a great match, and they, when I went back to ask them, I was like, "Hey, what's you know, what's your stuff?" They gave me the kookiest, craziest, most insane things to say, and I was like, "I'm gonna have so much fun with this. Let's do that. That's awesome." So you know, working with guys that that do stuff like that, I think, is a lot of fun. But for me, as someone that grew up a fan, whenever I get to work with somebody who I know from watching on TV, and especially from working with guys that I watched growing up, and for me, more than anybody, and, and I don't know if this will come as a surprise, it's when I've gotten to work with the Headbangers. Oh, wow. That's super cool. I, and I've, I've worked with um, Thrasher several times. I worked with Mosh only one time. And um, so I worked with them together at one place. And it was such a, you know, I'm very professional. You don't want to be a mark. You don't want to mark out. But, but it's hard, right? When, but when you're 11 years old and you have action figures of people and then you grow up and you're now working with these people, there's something very, very cool about that. Absolutely. And uh, so getting to work with them. And then, not to mention, not only did I get to announce them, but they came out and I did not know they were going to do this. Uh, apparently it is a, a shtick that they do with a lot of ring announcers wherever they go. And they proceeded to get in the ring, take the mic, bury the announcer, the announcement I just did, and tell me how terrible it was, and then hand me this soggy piece of paper that that Mosh pulls out of his skirt oh. uh, and says, sorry, it's a little moist, it's been down there a while. 
and says, you did a terrible job. Read this word for word, line for line, bit by bit. And if you mess it up, I'm going to hit you in your nuts so hard you're going to swallow them. And that was what he said in front of the audience. So I know it's PG show, but that's the line. (laughs) You're fun. (laughs) And so, you know, here I am with these guys I watched growing up and we are off to the races and they're, and they're like pantomiming. They're about to hit me and I'm moving away and, and, you know, reading every line, hitting it. And then, uh, I, I have a, a YouTube video that people can go check out where they see what they, what the last line of that thing was, which is probably not appropriate for this podcast, but really funny meant to be completely embarrassing. But a, a, as someone that grew up a lifelong fan, I mean, I can't think of a, of a cooler moment than that. That was, it was a lot of fun. And it, man, it was hot that night, but that that was a cool, cool event that happened. Dude, that is so awesome! And obviously, that's something that you'll remember for the rest of your life. I absolutely. So I saw that Undertaker video that you posted of you announcing him um, after the Undertaker announces semi-official, I guess, retirement. Um, I want you to let me know if you could announce any match uh, at any point in wrestling history, and you can even make up the competitors if you want. Who would you announce and why? Undertaker versus anybody. Um, I'm for sure. For sure. Yeah. Thank, I'm, I'm glad you watched it. Thank you. Uh, that's probably the closest I'll ever get to introducing him anywhere. And and I did that because he's such a favorite of mine. Um, we can talk more about what that was from after. But I, I would love to introduce him. Uh, he's got such an iconic entrance. And I feel like the announcer has a huge impact on how that comes across like I don't think people would realize it and maybe I'm overstating that a bit because there's so much about that entrance that's cool people don't even think of the announcer but I tell you what this is how you know the announcer matters if somebody that sucked did that it would not be the same and oh, that totally that agree. should tell you that it, it it does mean something yeah um but if I him and who else would be a really cool one it's probably the coolest one I can think of. I mean, uh, to do something like Sting, um, maybe Di- maybe Diamond Dallas Page, and, and I, I I didn't love their feud, but they were two of my early favorites. So if I were to call anyone, let's let's go with the two of them. Hopefully not during the the Sarah Stalker gimmick. Maybe under uh, different iterations of their characters. So as you know, I was a big WCW kid growing up, and. I was really excited to see WWF versus WCW, even though I never really spent a lot of time watching WWF. And watching what they did to DDP and Booker T and, and the rest of them, and then the big stars not moving over, it just, it, it was awful. And I definitely, I was one of those people that just decided to stop watching wrestling. They buried those guys. They just buried them. Yeah, it's kind of heartbreaking. Uh, they gave them the worst of the worst of the worst things and it just ultimately failed. In fact, I stopped watching them for for a number of years as a matter of fact. Uh and not not a conscious decision, I don't think. Uh but looking back, I think that had a lot to do with it. Once the WCW invasion began, I was still watching uh, and then I kind of stopped. I did stay on the dirt sheets, so I was always aware of who was around and what was happening. And like my my younger brother still watched a little bit, and so we would get some of the SmackDown games. So I would, and I was like, "Who's Rico? Who, uh, why why is Bi- why is Billy Gunn with Chuck? And why are they doing this gimmick? That's right? not at all what I remember. Like Billy Gunn, I had his when I was a backyard wrestler. The Famouser was my finish. Like, what is he doing? 
was what I was wondering. <laughs> so I kept up with it in some way, but I, I stopped watching it. And I think it's just because of that. Like they just, they ruined some of those WCW guys at the time, which I mean, I get it. Ha ha. We won. You lost. But, um, you know, I, I feel like they have given him opportunities later and, and he is revered now again. I'm, I'm glad that that did not do a lot of permanent damage to what Diamond Dallas Page is. As, as a college professor, I would show, especially when we would do uh, the classes focusing on group fitness, I purchased DDP Yoga. Actually, the, the university did, purchased it as a tool for my classroom. Oh, really? Because, and you might not realize this if you've, if you've never taken it, and as someone who's just a student of kinesiology, Diamond Dallas Page is an excellent instructor. And not just because I like him and not just because he was my favorite in WCW. He is genuinely, objectively, a good instructor. The guy has done his homework. When he talks about what muscles are firing and how it works and how it's affecting your body, he is 100% spot on. He's not giving you any bad information, any misinformation. His story of the way he rehabilitated himself after a broken back and, and some of his really life-altering injuries and starting wrestling as an older adult than most people is incredible. And, I, you know, you get people like Jillian Michaels. I, You know, we purchased one of her DVDs, too, and she was this heralded yeah. personal trainer that was on, you know, making millions of dollars on The Biggest Loser. And she's doing exercises and saying that this exercise is affecting this muscle group, and it's not. Really? It's completely wrong. Like, her kinesiology is off. She's... I don't know if I can describe it or if anyone even listening cares at all. You might edit this all out. No, sir. But she's standing upright holding two dumbbells out in front of her with her arms completely extended and then pulling them back and, like, squeezing her shoulder blades together. So just going forward and back. And she's saying that that's working your back muscles. And maybe if they were attached to a cable, that would be true. It would look like you're doing a row. And it looks like she's doing a rowing motion. But the fact of the matter is because she's holding dumbbells, the line of pull, the angle at which the weight is going, is towards the ground. All she's doing is flexing her biceps and stuff to hold them upright or doing some shoulder flexion to hold her extended arms up. That's where the gravity is going. Those are the muscles you're working. You are not working your back. You're just making that movement. And so that was really frustrating to watch these people who are supposedly fitness experts, but they aren't. And then you got this guy who most people might say is a big, dumb wrestler, DDP, who's that? This Jersey guy he wears a bandana and, and does yo does broga. Yeah. And the guy is nailing all this kinesiology and really helping people. And so, you know, I don't owe him anything, and he'll, he'll probably never hear this, but I can't put over DDP enough for just what he has done for fitness. And he really is a, someone that has found a whole other career and does a great service to a lot of people. So you talk about having a whole other career, and it's, it's kind of what you've done, really. <laughs> So let's let's talk about that a little bit, and I want you to tell me if you have any like really cool memories that really stand out to you. I'm very blessed to have been on this ride. You know, it was it was never anything that I really planned, or or even that I really dreamed about. I know we talked about that, but it, it just kind of happened. And once it did, I was like, I want this to keep happening. So let's look for more opportunities. That's a really cool outlook. But getting to do things like that, and getting to you know working River City Wrestling Con last year. And getting to share a ring for essentially about an hour with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And, I mean, it's wild. It's absolutely wild that I would get a chance to do that. Like, who am I that that should happen at all? Uh, and Jake the Snake Roberts. And and I've gotten to work with guys like, I worked with Sean Spears, like, right when he went back on the indies for a little while. 
And I've worked with Sue Young, who is amazing, just one of the sweetest people. She's scary as heck when she's, you know, the undead, the bloody undead bride. But, you know, Susie, as you see her on Impact Wrestling now, I mean, she's such a sweetheart. And then to see these people go on and turn my television set on on a Wednesday night or, or watch AEW Dark right now is filled with people that I have worked with, that I have gotten a call and I sit and I watch. And I'm just so happy for them. And it's just so cool. But probably more than anything, getting an opportunity to share it with my family is usually one of the coolest things because they still look at it with the eyes of kids. And I've gotten to take my kids places and they've gotten to do things that most people never get to do in their entire lives. And uh, at a Sharks game last year, Alicia Fox was there and she was going to be a special guest. and, And the team and the managers or the owners knew that I was a wrestling guy. So I essentially became her handler for part of the game. And, like, I got to do an on-field interview with her while she was still an active WWE superstar. And admittedly, I was never a big fan of her as her character. But, God, she was, like, the nicest person I ever met. And I I really think of her so differently now. And I brought my kids down into the tunnel, and she was so sweet with my kids. And, man, that's, for me, whenever somebody's cool to my kids... That that's that's all you can do. Like that that's enough for me. And it was uh, you know I've I've gotten a lot of that, and and I hope that there's a lot more to come. Make for for more good stories on a, on a later edition when we can revisit something like this. Absolutely, man. We'll make it happen again. So I know right now there's not a whole lot you that's going on. I know you mentioned that uh, uh, you had some shows canceled, but where can we find you? Tell me a little bit about your social media, and if we want to come see you live, where would we be able to do that? So my base of operations, as it has always been, and especially now that everything else has kind of stopped for the foreseeable future, is you guys can catch me at Go Wrestle, and that is going to be down in Port Orange, Florida, uh, pretty centrally located, only about an hour away from Orlando, or about an hour and a half away from Jacksonville. If you want to keep up on all my other stuff, I am in Palm Coast. I run a couple trivia shows, but Follow me on social media. That's going to be the best way to keep up with the many crazy things that I do. It's the Young Professor on Facebook. Uh, the Twitter is at Young Professor G. And on my Instagram, it's going to be at MG the Young Professor. And tell me where we can buy your merch so our listeners can look like me. Because I have Young Professor merch and it's awesome. Bootandheel.com. Uh, there's links on all my stuff that will tell you where to go. Uh, or you can contact me directly. That's where you can get T-shirts. But if you're looking, I've got a lot of cool different stickers. I'm very very proud, very happy with my stickers. Yeah, man, you uh, should be. <laughs> I've got some Indie Supercard trading cards. An Indie Supercard is put together by a company called Superjaw. And they have put together an indie wrestling deck-based card game. So if you don't, if you're not getting your fix of indie wrestling, and you want to play with some of the the guys that are real people out on the scene today, uh, you can go ahead and purchase one of those from Superjaw. And I have one, I'm featured in that deck, which is a re- that's a cool story in and of itself. Like someone someone made that of me. I didn't ask them to. I didn't have that printed. They asked me, and and you know I can put it next to my holographic Charizard. That's actually super, super cool. I uh, I played Pokemon as a kid. I play Magic the Gathering now and Hearthstone. So having your own trading card is really, really awesome, dude. That's cool. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. I really do appreciate it. I hope you had a good time. I know I did. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next time. Matt, this was a lot of fun, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
Ladies and gentlemen, make sure to follow us at Wrestle Life Radio on Facebook and Instagram and at Wrestle Life Pod on Twitter. You can follow me at Wrestle Life Matt on Instagram and Twitter. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. And remember, hashtag support indie wrestling. Matt, thanks once again, and we hope you all have an absolutely wonderful day.